Welcome to The Journey to Wellness, a podcast that focuses on nutrition, exercise, mental health, and more. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Journey to Wellness podcast. It's been a while since I've done one of these, and so I'm super excited to put another podcast episode out for you all. Um, today, I have with me Jessica Gilbreth, right? I should have probably asked you how to say your last name before That's I had right. you on. Okay, yeah. cool. So I got it right. She's a good friend. We work together, um, and I'm really excited to have her on because she works in nutrition as well, but in a specific field that I'm super interested in but don't know a lot about. So I'm excited to learn from you today, Jessica. Um, can you just kind of introduce yourself and talk about what you do? Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm a functional nutritionist which and holistic nutritionist, which basically means that I tie in a lot of um, healing modalities, things like spirituality, things like food relationship, also functional tests to really truly heal the whole body of the person um yeah yeah just tell me a little bit about the certifications you have and kind of the schooling and studying and tests you had to take to you know get get all that get your credentials yeah so i have a master's in functional nutrition from the national university of natural medicine and so i am a i'm on the route to become a CNS, which is Certified Nutrition Specialist. And that's a little bit different than RD in the sense that RDs are more, um, I would say, allopathic. You can, you know right. more than I do, um, but more like allopathic medicine and kind of conventional. And CNS is very functional and uses kind of different modalities. It's all, it's all using food to heal, but it's just a different route. Um, so yeah, CNS, you need a master's degree and you need to have a thousand hours of supervised clinical experience and then you have to pass a certified nutrition test. Right. And that's a lot of work and a lot of studying and a lot of testing. So, um, it shows that you're passionate about it and that you really like to study that type of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, I'm also a certified clinical herbalist, um, which just means that I use plant medicine in a lot of my practices. That's something I've wanted to learn a lot more about, and I've have been researching a little bit, and so we'll dig into that a little bit later too, because I'm excited to learn about that. But cool. first, for those people that don't know, like kind of what is food as medicine, which is a big focus of functional uh, nutrition, and then how does it tie into holistic health as well? Yeah, I love that question. So, food as medicine is using food as a modality to prevent and treat disease. So there are a lot of constituents and components in food like curcumin and resveratrol and gingerol and... Um, I'm glad you're saying those because I don't know how to pronounce all those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. They have medicinal properties that can um, reduce inflammation or they can prevent cancer and they really have a lot of um, ways to not only prevent diseases but also reverse and treat them so using food as medicine is using that in a therapeutic sense and um, the way it ties into holistic holistic healing um, i think is that food is just one pillar of it so um, we as holistic practitioners we use the whole body to help heal someone completely and that means focusing on their sleep and their spirituality and their stress and 
um, their community and their joy and the things that they like to do as well as food and their physical body. Right. Is that where you feel like it differs a little bit from conventional medicine or like what's kind of the difference there from functional medicine compared to conventional? So I think conventional medicine and functional or holistic medicine kind of in this this modern day like butt heads sometimes but I really think that they can go hand in hand so conventional medicine was kind of brought about in a day and age where um, acute and like not chronic diseases were the primary cause of death so things like tuberculosis or typhoid or pneumonia those things were the primary cause of death and that's where things like uh, medicine or amputation or surgery came in. I like to use um, a functional medicine practitioner, Chris Kresser. He uses this this analogy to, to compare the two. So um, if you were to have a rock in your shoe and go to a conventional doctor he, and, it would, and your, the rock in the shoe hurt, um, they might give you a pain pain pill like a medication and then it might work and the pain might go away whereas if you went to a functional practitioner um, we would through tests through um, very in-depth intake forms through really getting to know you we would eventually get to the root of it and be like okay take your shoe off and dump the rock out (laughs) so (laughs) it just differs that way Um, and so the main cause of of death now is chronic. So mm-hmm. seven out of the, I think, 10 main causes of death are chronic. So things like heart disease and diabetes and Alzheimer's, which we weren't, we weren't dying from back in the day because we had ancestral knowledge of herbs. We were eating whole foods. We were eating liver and organ meats, and we were taking care of ourselves, and now that's kind of switched. So that's where the functional approach comes in because treating chronic disease is challenging and it takes a long time and it's really um, you really need to know the person and to really get get in deep with them to heal it that's interesting I never thought of like the reason why conventional medicine came about like it was because in the beginning like most of them were like acute things that they had to take care of and Mm -hmm. so you do that through what you were saying like medicine surgeries things like that so I never really thought of it that way, like thinking about how it really did come about. And so maybe, you know, if people were dying of chronic diseases, maybe it would have been opposite, you know what I mean? But that's just not how it worked. So yeah. what's like, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and there's room for both. Like mm-hmm. if I get hit by a bus, don't take me to a nutritionist, please. Like take <laughs> right. me to the hospital. Are you telling me I can't heal you if you get hit by a bus? Come on. <laughs> like maybe after. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So there's no, definitely room right. for both. Yeah. Is there an example of like a client you work with or someone where you kind of do use both side by side, even maybe in chronic disease, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a a recent client who I think we talked about it before, but she has um, SIBO, which is a type of IBS. It's small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and she has a parasite. Mm. And so she's been working with a conventional GI doctor and he gave her antibiotics for the parasite. And I was like, great, let's get rid of that. That's probably the best way to get rid of that parasite. And then I can come in and help any imbalances that come from 
the antibiotic and then mm-hmm. deal with the SIBO as well. So working, I really like to work hand in hand with conventional doctors that way and, and GI doctors, just because they can do certain things that I might not be able to do. Like I can't prescribe things. I can recommend herbs. I can recommend supplements. Um, right. But yeah, and that's why I always recommend for everybody to have a team of practitioners. Mm-hmm. And that's cool because, you know, if someone would have just gone to a conventional doctor and just gotten rid of the parasite, then they wouldn't have had you to rebuild their uh, gut health and whatever. And so you need both. Or if they just came to you, maybe you would have you know, had some trouble getting rid of the parasite in the first place, you know. So it's cool exactly. how both can help each other. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So we talked a little bit about, you know, with the analogy you gave with the shoe or the rock in the shoe um, and kind of finding and running tests and finding out that that's the problem and getting rid of that. Um, what, what are some things you do when you're working in your practice to kind of find those root cause of symptoms? Because it just seems incredibly complex and kind of when I dive into functional medicine, um, and that, that world of nutrition and all that, it's really complicated. And so how do you kind of go about, you know, finding the root cause of all these symptoms? Yeah, it is complicated and it's kind of fun that way. I say fun as like, cause I love to do this, but, um, it's fun because every person is unique and complicated and so when someone sits in front of me it's a new puzzle to figure out and so there are many tests that we can do functional tests that I can I can run but first I really want to get to know the person so um, one person might have I'll stick with the IBS thing some person might one person might have IBS that has been caused by stress or one person might be, have IBS that was caused by a parasite. And really getting to know that person, knowing where they travel, knowing what their stress levels are, what their life's like, I can really parse out where that's coming from and then get to the root cause that way. So the tests are, are fun, but we don't need them really. They're kind mm-hmm. of a, a an addition, a flourish to be sure that yes, you have SIBO. Yes, you have adrenal imbalances in your hormones. Um, and now we can we can figure it out that way for sure. Um, but so, yeah. So is it one of those things where you kind of explore um, their lifestyle and really get to know them and then based off that, you're like, I think we need to run these tests. Is that often like the trajectory it takes? That's exactly right, okay. yeah. Yeah, so I get to know the person. We um, have a really deep 75 minute intake and then we go from there. If tests need to be run, then we run them. Um, some of my favorites for for functional testing, I really like the Genova GI map, which is for people who are having GI issues, things like parasites or microbial imbalances, any type of infection in the gut. Um, Dutch hormone panel, that can be like a sex and adrenal panel. Those what are really makes good. the Dutch one different from like a classic one? Is it just more in-depth? It is more in-depth. So it does um, all of your sex hormones and all of the adrenal hormones. So if someone is having fertility issues, I'll be able to see like, oh, is this from your cortisol levels being super high or is it from your estrogen being too low? That type of thing. Interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, there's blood panels. Those are normal ones that everyone does. Right, yeah. yeah. So what are, like, some big – I guess, actually, let's go off of the hormone thing a little bit. And so 
Um, cause that's a pretty common problem and something that I even see, um, with my clients working with athletes is, you know, especially if they're under eating, um, a lot of times they'll have hormone imbalances or, mm-hmm. um, guys will even have low testosterone. Um, and so what's, what are some things that people can do to help their hormone health? Like, what do you do if you see someone's panel and it's just like out of whack? Yeah. And that might be hard to answer cause it might vary a lot, but best you can. You yeah, know. it does definitely vary. Um, so broadly speaking, I would say the number, like the top two things I would recommend are, is going to be <laughs> super simple, but sleep and stress because mm. your, if your cortisol levels are too high or too low, it's going to throw everything out of balance, um, with your, the rest of your hormones. I would also say sleep. If you're not sleeping, everything is your um, circadian rhythm controls your hormones a lot. And so that's going to throw things out of balance. Um, Besides those two, which are (laughs) are like habit-based. I like those two a lot, though, because um, that's things I focus on with my athletes, too, Mm -hmm. because sleep, like you said, is important for uh, growth hormone is actually released when you sleep. And so for my athletes, that's super important because they're going to be growing back their tendons, ligaments, muscles, bones, all that stuff while they're sleeping. And so I always tell them when you sleep, you grow Mm -hmm. that way. It's like, you got to get your sleep to recover and grow back stronger. And then stress, um, you kind of hit on it with the cortisol and, um, it just helps all the other hormones stay in balance. Um, and obviously like if you're stressed, um, like emotionally, and you're stressed physically and you're stressed mentally, it just all adds up and impairs recovery um, as well if you're looking at it from like an athlete perspective. So I'll let you continue on the others besides those two big ones, but I like those two that you mentioned. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. Um, And then I would say after that gut health, so your gut controls a lot of your hormones, I would say about 70% um, are, are started in your gut so if your gut is out of balance then your hormones are also out of balance and of course eating regularly but that is just something that i'm sure you work with your clients a lot with right too. Yeah. for sure so let's go with the gut health then like what are a few things people can do and again it, this is a this is kind of tough because it varies so much person to person and you know what their history is you know have they taken an antibiotic recently mm-hmm. what their um maybe you know the tests you run what their gut looks like right now but what are just some general things people can do to just improve their gut health in general? Yeah, if someone is looking to support their gut health and they're not having any um, current issues with it, um, a really good probiotic, prebiotic supplement, you can get pre and probiotics through food, mm-hmm. but a lot of the ones through food, like kimchi, sauerkraut, kombucha, that you don't know what strands you're getting. You don't know if they're making their way to the gut, if they're ending up there. So a really good pre and probiotic for your gut health and then um, getting in prebiotics, which are things that have inulin or insoluble fiber. So asparagus and sweet potatoes, carrots, things like that. Mm, all the healthy foods you think of, yeah. right? Yep. Nice. So do you have a recommendation for like a good um, probiotic, prebiotic? Yeah, I do. So I use seed and I always recommend seed. It is a symbiotic, which means it's a pre and probiotic blend. And it's one of the ones that's most heavily researched and science backed. And it's really, it's incredibly geniusly designed where it's two (laughs) capsules and so the first capsule lets you get your prebiotics and then the the second capsule which is inside of it lets you get your probiotics and they make their way to your gut nice that's awesome so like for someone like me who you know at, at least as far as i know there's no like visible symptoms of any like you know 
anything wrong with my gut health. Um, you know, maybe there's something underneath the surface, but what I still, you think notice a difference in taking those or is it more of those just like preventative things like yeah so i um i say it depends on the person if you i would try to take a probiotic for a month and see mm-hmm. if you feel different if you're like right. oh i'm taking this and i'm like pooping great and i feel yeah. awesome and my skin's glowing then keep doing it because it's it's helping um but if you don't feel like it does anything you can kind of keep them on the on the side and when you're traveling or if you're Mm. on antibiotics or if you kind of feel like you're getting sick taking them just to support your general health interesting yeah Yeah. i might have to do that run like a little trial because some people too like like they don't realize how bad they feel because they're just used to it right so maybe you know something like that too Mm. um what are what are some you know you can add on to that if you have anything else to say about the hormone or gut health but what are some other like really big picture things that you focus on with your clients when you're working with them um I guess maybe just common themes that you see when you're working with clients. Mm, yeah. So I, I always say I work in two camps of, of, with clients. So the first camp is food relationship. And, um, we live in a society where our relationship to food, food is complicated. So it's, it has (laughs) emotional connections and it's tied to joy and it's tied to nostalgia and it's tied to mortality Mm -hmm. and it's so much. And so it's tied to the, how we feel and how we look. So a lot of people have a really complicated relationship with food, especially in a world where we're always dieting and we're always trying to, to look a different way, which isn't necessarily um, bad, but you, don't, you, you can want to change your body shape or size and still have a good relationship to food. Right. And sometimes those don't go, go hand in hand. So I see a lot of complicated food relationships Um, yeah Yeah. so I love to teach people how to instead of looking to the outside world for their their eating cues to really look to their to inside to get their internal um, hunger cues and honor their body with gentle nutrition and to really learn how to eat intuitively so um, that's one camp Mm -hmm. and that usually kind of blends with the other one because if someone is coming to me with maybe IBS or autoimmune or whatever, they probably also have a complicated relationship to food. Um, So that brings me to the second camp, which is truly using food as medicine, using food to heal, heal things like autoimmune, hormone imbalances, fertility, gut issues, that type of stuff. Nice, yeah. So I wanna go back to like the intuitive eating group kind of because that's one thing where you know, for me, for example, who, um, used to track macros and like have like very specific goals within like weightlifting and stuff like that. Um, and now I don't. And so I am more on the intuitive eating side and like listening to my hunger cues and I kind of know like what my body needs, but I get a lot of knowledge from like knowing what my body needs and what I need to be including in each meal from the fact that I used to track macros. So that kind of gave me like the education I need to kind of know what my body needs because you know, you can't just go around like thinking like, oh, my body needs a cookie right now. You know what I mean? All the time. And so I'm wondering, like, what do you do with your clients to kind of provide that education if they don't have any prior education? Like maybe they don't know um, how much protein is in peanut butter versus chicken or, you know, stuff like that. Maybe they don't have that education. What's what are some things you might do to help them with that if they're starting out on like intuitive eating and that type type of thing? Yeah. So I um 
I believe that our bodies, and this has kind of been, this has been proven in the intuitive eating research, that our bodies, if we are given our body's unconditional permission to eat, we eventually balance out all of the macros and micros that we need. Mm -hmm. So it is a scary feeling to, especially for someone who's on a restrictive diet now, to be like, okay, I can eat whatever I want (laughs) all the time. (laughs) (laughs) um, So it's scary, but giving yourself that unconditional permission, eventually so it's a pendulum right now. If you're restricted, it might go to way, way overeating, and mm-hmm. then eventually it will mellow out, and your body will know what to eat and when. Studies have been done with children when they're given unconditional permission to eat whatever, and they're given a whole bunch of cookies and like a bunch of carrots and like whatever. Eventually, like they might eat eat a few cookies but then they'll be like okay i want some carrots too so it will eventually balance out um i do like to educate people if they're just like very very new to nutrition educate them on things like eating enough fiber and eating Mm -hmm. enough like a balanced meal with healthy fats and proteins and things like that but i usually don't bring numbers into it if i don't have to. right yeah and i like that aspect of you know for your clients probably not bringing numbers in Mm -hmm. and just displaying the whole the whole plate and so I guess the the one pushback I have with like the intuitive eating is like we live in a world now where everything is so processed and ultra processed which can kind of like affect and um I don't know like skew our body's cues Mm -hmm. but like you were saying with the pendulum like um a big thing in in intuitive eating is like recognizing how you feel before you're eating while you're eating after you're done eating and so you kind of like it's that after you're done eating if you're eating all those ultra processed foods and high sugar foods and fast food, you're going to notice that your body really doesn't like those foods. And so, um, even though I have that pushback, it kind of like within intuitive eating, like works itself out almost Mm -hmm. and like fixes it with that pendulum you were talking about. Yeah. And what I found too, is people who are, have a very strong sweet tooth and they really want those processed foods. If they give themselves permission to eat them they might kind of binge a little bit at the beginning but then they find out like oh i've been wanting these cookies so so bad and i had one of them and i don't even really like mm-hmm. it so yeah. it it is a kind of a mind game in that sense right exactly yeah. and like the more i found that i eat healthy the more i crave healthy yes. foods because of how they make me feel more so yes. um and i always tell people like i almost don't ever eat a meal without a protein and it's not because i like know like the science behind it and like why that's good for you but it's more because if i eat like just a cinnamon roll by itself without you know maybe i don't know string cheese or a high protein milk or something like that then i feel horrible after eating that Mm -hmm. um and so adding that protein is going to slow down that digestion and i still might not feel great if i have a cinnamon roll with some protein but i'm going to feel a lot better than if i just had the cinnamon roll by itself so it's kind of paying attention to how your body feels yeah and you won't have that crash after the protein right. will help balance it out. Right. You eat cinnamon rolls and string cheese No, <laughs> I don't, I don't. But I always tell my clients, and a few of my clients might hear this and laugh, but um, like it, I always tell them, like, get a protein in even if it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, If you're having two cookies, the last thing you would think to do is maybe like have some beef jerky with that mm-hmm. or whatever your protein convenient protein source might be or Greek yogurt with that. 
but do it yeah. and see, see able what, what the difference will be. Cause it's a big difference. And then in addition to what you were saying, like it slows down that crash uh, that sugar spike and crash, um, and slows down digestion and helps you feel fuller for longer. In addition to that, you're also, um, maximizing your protein absorption. And so, um, you're maximizing muscle synthesis and all those good things as well. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah and your body <laughs> doesn't know, like your body doesn't know that, you need to have eggs for breakfast or whatever. Yeah, that's or so it, true. Does, it doesn't yeah. know that cookies don't go with with beef jerky. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't matter really as long as you're eating it. Yeah. It exactly. tastes good to you. Yeah. So it's always a challenge for me to kinda like maybe I'm out at a restaurant and they have like chips and salsa. It's like, man, how do I get my protein in? I can't really unless I order like a full like meal or something that has it, you know. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge and sometimes maybe I won't have a protein with it. But most of the time I try to. Yeah. Um, but that goes, I don't know where that goes back to. We kind of took a tangent there, but I think just like listening to your body and kind of knowing to like, knowing to like, um, give it, give it what it needs to like feel good and yeah. notice like how you feel after eating certain foods. Yeah. And if anyone is trying that, it is a process. It will, it's not really like a straight line. It's kind of like a spiral. You're yeah. gonna, you're gonna go up and down and back and forth, but eventually you'll get to the point where you can actually honor your body and trust mm-hmm. that it's going to tell you what is right. Right. I'm still not, you know, had all 100% healthy. You see what I eat at the restaurant. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's not healthy. So well, sometimes it's all there is. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's true. Especially when you only have, you know, a few minutes to grab some stuff, you know, in the restaurant industry. Yeah, so it's tough. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add on that subject before we kind of move to like more of the herbal side of things and things you do with that? No, I think that's, yeah. Okay. This is what I'm really excited for because this is, like I said earlier in the podcast, like I am excited to like kind of dive into this world and like do more research into this. And I have done like a little bit of research into like adaptogens and stuff, but um, can you just kind of share like what your favorite, I think you call them elixirs are, recipes that use herbs or herbs. Like I I don't even know really how to phrase the question there (laughs) at the end because you're the expert and I don't really know much about it, so. Yeah. Ooh, that's a broad question. So I'll start with my favorite herbs. So there are, um, in herbalism, there's certain categories of herbs that do certain things. So there's adaptogens, which you mentioned, which kind of regulate the body and adapt it to whatever's happening. Um, there's nervines, which really help soothe the nerves. There's, um, astringents, there's, kind of excitatory herbs so there's a bunch um a few of my favorites i really love nettle Mm. so it's the stinging nettle that if you're walking through the woods and you get on your legs it sucks um (laughs) it's that kind of nettle but it is super super nutrient dense it has protein it has iron it has magnesium it's kind of like a vitamin and a leaf and it's a nervine so it really helps soothe your nerves and calm you it's an acquired taste, so if you're <laughs> you if you're um, making a tea with it, maybe blend it with something like peppermint or lavender, or whatever. Um, but that's it, can you describe like what it tastes like or not really? Yes, Is it like its own I taste? can. <laughs> I don't want to deter people from it though. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they'll they'll be all right. They um, they gotta just suck it up. <laughs> yeah, it's very earthy and it kind of has a sea like <laughs> flavor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'll try anything once, and yeah. I hope. I'll bring, some, I'll, bring, really? I'll bring you some at the restaurant. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I'm excited to try it. I'll try to make it Can you like, good. Okay, yeah. Are you going to blend it in stuff? Yeah. Okay, good. I'll make tea. <laughs> um, second, lemon balm. Lemon mm. balm. That probably it, tastes better. At least it sounds better. Yes, it does taste better. It tastes like, um, I don't know if this is going to sound good, but you know like <laughs> how um, 
cleaning. Solution. Oh no, no, that's worse than the nettle. <laughs> no, no, no. Like how lemon cleaning smells. Like the okay. Chem- so it tastes like that without like the chemicals. Without stuff. okay, it without the like chemicals it is smells, good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so lemon balm, it's a nervine as well. It is. Um, kind of like sunshine in a plant it really helps people (laughs) feel yeah feel happy and it promotes joy and it's really really uplifting um i love saint john's wort Mm. saint john's wort is a antidepressant it has a lot of immune boosting things um if anyone is on though ssris or antidepressants do not take saint john's wort yeah i had to do a case Um, study on like the medication interactions with that one yeah, but it is, it is amazing, especially mm-hmm. for things like seasonal affective disorder and stuff like that. Um, let's see. I didn't even realize like it's good that you gave that background because I didn't even realize there were like different like categories between like adaptogens and mm-hmm. nervings and astringents and all that and within like herbs. Yeah, so. yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating world. Um, and as far as adaptogens, I love ashwagandha. Mm-hmm. Ashwagandha is like a um, grandmother herb to me. You need, it's it's very stress balancing. It's really good for adrenal fatigue. It's something that you're kind of, if you take it, it's a marriage to this herb. You're going to want to take it for a long, long time <laughs> okay. because it really affects you kind of gradually. Um, so yeah, those are some of my favorites. Um, the thing about herbs is they conventionally taste some of them um conventionally taste not what we want to eat Mm. so bitter or astringent or kind of tart so it's kind of a balance to find ways to to eat them or to drink them that taste good so i really like to make herbal mocktails um so you can use tinctures and just add them to like bubbly water and like a little bit of sweetener or whatever um, you can, of course, take, some, take them in capsules. I like to take herbs when you taste them because I feel like it, you get the effect a bit more. Um, but, yeah. Right. That's cool. And the, it's interesting what you said about the ashwagandha. Did I say that right? Uh-huh. Close enough. <laughs> um, that it, like, takes a long time to take effect because mm-hmm. I had, like, the Four Sigmatic coffee a long time ago, maybe, like, three years ago I tried it when it first came out. And it had that in it and um, some other like mushrooms, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really notice like much of an effect. And so I think it's probably just because, number one, the dose was probably pretty low in that because it was like coffee plus like a little bit of that sprinkled in probably. And then also like I only took it for like two weeks. So that might be part of it too. Yeah, most mm-hmm. herbs are kind of slow acting. And mm-hmm. I think because of the conventional prescription pharmacy world that we're used to we're used to like oh we're gonna pop a pill or take a thing and it's gonna make us feel a certain way immediately um and herbs are much more subtle um and because of that they're safer on the body Mm, yeah um but yeah ashwagandha specifically takes at least four weeks so what's like your favorite like recipe that you throw together like what are you using in terms of like what form of the herb and what are you mixing with it like what's your maybe all-time favorite Oh. Or one that you have maybe every day, like your go-to, that you can't can't go throughout the day without it, maybe. So recently, I've been drinking a a Damiana cocktail. So Damiana is kind of an uplifting herb. It is said to induce euphoria and joy, and it's really, um, it's a fun flavor, I think. It's kind of citrusy, but I like, I have an herb farm tincture, um, herb, F. P-H-A-R-M, Herb Farm. Okay. Um, 
And I put that with a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of um, strawberry puree, a little bit of like honey or simple syrup, and mm. then bubbly water. And it's nice. really So refreshing. that's like all stuff you can get like at the bar when you're working. You just exactly. got to bring your tincture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You're like a bartender, but with like herbs. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I have um, a like an elixir ebook if anyone's interested mm. yeah. in that. Yeah. We'll get to that at the end where you can like kind of your website has a lot of recipes, right? And mm-hmm. things like that. And you got the ebook. And so definitely want to talk about that because I want to try a few of those. But just had like a business idea. What if you do like a bar where it's like herbs, right? <laughs> Is there something like that that exists? That's my end goal. Oh, really? Honestly, Did I yeah. just like spoil it? Now <laughs> no, someone no, no, else no. is going to do it Everyone before you. Everyone come to Asheville. I'm opening an herbal elixir bar in like four years. <laughs> Are you on four years? Yeah. Someone might beat you to the punch. No, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome though. Like, I don't know. Because like for me, like I wouldn't know like just like other people might not know how to mix like an old fashioned or something like, I don't know. Like I'm just like kind of clueless when it comes to mixing these herbs and it seems even more complex than like, you know, mixing alcohol. Um, so yeah, I think that would be a big hit and I'm excited to like look at your elixir ebook and stuff too. See if I like, I probably need to buy the herbs, but then most of the other stuff is probably pretty easy to get my hands on. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. There's even some really fun ones. Like there's a dandelion coffee, which interesting tastes to me just like cold brew, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have any of the, the caffeine effects of it. And it's, um, it's much more kind of earthy and subtle. It's really fun. If I'm like, I have a lot of questions about herbs and, um, I just don't really know the world very well. And so it's kind of overwhelming. Like where can people kind of start? Yeah. So I would say if you want to start in herbalism and you don't know where to go, I would just start with the herbs that you know. So there are things like rosemary and chamomile, lavender, cilantro that you can find at a grocery store that you can play with. And even though they're common, they're they're classic, not basic. And you can you can add rosemary to your water and that might help with your brain function a little bit. You can add lavender to a tea before bed to kind of calm you down. So things like that are super simple and then eventually you'll you'll dig into it more and kind of find more about the herbs that you like and kind of explore i really like to encourage people to create relationships with the plants and Mm. really learn about one plant and one herb at a time so nettle for example if you are in a place where nettle grows go go find it go look Mm. at it don't touch it with your hands (laughs) (laughs) Um, but look at it you can you can make soups with nettle make tea with it um, really learn about it. And then once you feel like you've created a relationship with that plant, move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Not yeah. trying to do like all of it at once exactly, and kind of learning yeah. even like the history of where it came from mm-hmm. or yeah, all that stuff. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Um, since I work with athletes, like are there any herbs or um, adaptogens that you would recommend specifically to athletes, maybe to boost performance um, or for you know more energy during their workouts or even I guess you can even go to the sleep thing or stress thing too and for better sleep you know since that's going to help with better recovery yeah any, any of those areas yeah so I would and my my mind immediately went to rhodiola which is an adaptogen um, it's an adaptogen that is mostly for energy and for brain function and Um, those types of things, but it also regulates the stress response. So um, athletes are normally trying to like work up the energy to do things and to to exercise and do their their workouts and all those things. Um, But they're also probably stressed out because they have a bunch of things going on. So I think rhodiola is something that would really be helpful to add in. Mm, That's cool. Because yeah, they really are like so busy with schoolwork Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And then 
there's sports and stuff. They're some of the busiest people that I like talk yeah. to. So yeah, that'd be good. And yeah. it seems like it'd even be good for like entrepreneurs, like people working in nine to five, maybe um, since it helps with that brain health and the stress and all that. Yeah, definitely. And they don't have to be like a tea or a tincture. You can get rhodiol in a capsule. You mm. can get it. You just take it with your morning vitamins, whatever. It doesn't have to be super, super complicated. Nice. Yeah. You don't have to taste it, yeah. I guess. <laughs> So there's one question and I forgot to tell it. Usually I give someone like a heads up before they answer this question. and I completely forgot to do this. Um, so I'll give you some time to think about it. But the one question I ask everyone on the podcast is like, what is being healthy to you? Like, what does being healthy mean to you? Mm -hmm. And so, sorry, I didn't really give you time to prepare and answer that question, but it's the last question I have for you. <laughs> what, what you got? No, that's okay. <laughs> I like the surprise. Um, so being healthy to me is really finding balance in all areas of life. Like I mentioned at the beginning, holistic health is more than just food. It's more than just movement. It's all of those combined. So finding time for yourself to take care of all of those aspects, to, to sleep, have a consistent sleep schedule, to make sure that you're doing something every day that sparks joy to make sure that you are if you're a spiritual person connecting with that that energy as well as moving your body and eating right so just like finding that balance and I think balance sometimes is a thing that is said a lot in the wellness world and it can be kind of a an elusive thing it doesn't right. have to be perfect maybe one week you're like on point with your workouts and your food but you're your like self-care is a little bit low and then the, the next week it goes the other way. Mm -hmm. So it's just finding what works for you. I think that would be health for it's me. It's a really good answer, especially yeah. being on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So um, where, can, where can people find you, get in touch with you, get that ebook with the recipes, all that? Yeah, so my practice is called Rune House. It's R-U-N-E-H-A-U-S. Um, and you can find me at Rune House on Instagram, uh, rune.house on the internet. And... Um, all other other places on the internet um, but yeah I'm taking clients for 2022 so if anyone nice. is interested <laughs> I do a 12-week program called the well stewardship um, and if you want to chat about it I do free discovery calls and we can just chat yeah, yeah. and I can't recommend Jessica highly enough she's um, obviously like very invested in what she does and does a lot of work in what she does with like studying and making sure she's staying on top of everything and she's just really good with people too, really good with her clients. And so definitely recommend her, check her out, at least go look at her website, at least go get that free um, ebook. Um, so yeah, thank you yeah. for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much.